All right, everybody, I think I'm uh, gonna get started. Can you all hear me perfectly fine back there and everything? Yeah, yeah. all the way in the back. Okay, Woo! I don't know how good the microphones that they have here are, so. If you need us to talk louder, just give us a give us a little thing about that. So, welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron podcast. podcast. Yeah, the uh, this is our first live version of what we do. We host a uh, magical themed podcast. Uh, my wife and I do it comes out every week on our YouTube channel and on like everything where podcasts are uh, called the Horn and Cauldron Podcast, and uh, we kind of look at a bunch of different magical stuff and bring deep dives and uh, generic glances and all that kind of stuff. We also happen to be huge anime fans. In fact, we met at a comic book shop. We <laughs> go to Fanime like all, you know, every year, uh, you know. We got engaged at Fanime. We got engaged at Fanime <laughs> several years ago. Yeah. So uh, we figured why not try and bring this podcast, you know, here. Yeah, to everybody do it that else. Way. And uh, theoretically, the recording, the video, if that wants to do the thing that I'm telling it to do, if that wants, <laughs> if that works out, this will also be uh, up on our podcast, on, you know, on the podcast networks and the YouTube channel. So today we are going to be looking at five different anime and their magical systems. We're looking at Record of Ragnarok, Fire Force, Magical Girl Ore, which is the best, uh, <laughs> Witchcraft Works, and Trese. Uh, and these are the networks that they're available on if you have not seen them. Um, Fire Force is also available on Crunchy, but we watched it on Hulu, so that way we could kind of cover everybody's bases with what they have, like, um, you know, available to them or whatever. Yeah, as right? streaming services. Yeah, like as streaming services and whatnot. All right, so uh, you ready to get into this, Yeah, huh? so let's get started. Let's so, get started, y'all. Uh, first, we're going to talk about Record of Ragnarok, which we watched on Netflix, and it is available dubbed uh, if you are interested in dubs. Uh, and this we know one... everybody has opinions about <laughs> dubs and subs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this one is uh, kind of wild. So um, Record of Ragnarok takes... The, a whole bunch of magical systems that exist in the real world and a bunch of gods and goddesses and demigods and other famous people and sort of like lumps them together all into this one show. Um, and it's kind of like a, it, it's kind of like getting a bulk discount pack uh, from Wish. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, this is not what I thought this was going to be at all. And that was our experience with yeah. Record of Ragnarok. Yeah, you're like, I ordered a bag and I'm like, technically you can put stuff in this bag. So it's still a bag. But is it the bag that I ordered? Maybe not so much. <laughs> Welcome to buying stuff from Wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, so the TLDR of the show is that there is a council of Valhalla where the gods decide the fate of mankind and they've called for Ragnarok. So Valhalla is a place that is um, that that exists in Norse folklore, and it is typically one of the places of the afterlife. We talk about this in a few of our other podcast episodes, and I'm just going to I'm not going to mention which episodes here. But if it's something that we talk about in our other episodes, I'll let you guys know as we go through. But uh, Valhalla is a place where heroes go if they are chosen by Odin, who is the king of the gods in the Norse tradition. And they go to Valhalla and they get to just like party and drink and eat and fight and fight un all until, until the, the time, end of time of Ragnarok, which is interesting because they're calling this the Council of Valhalla, but it's not ruled over by Odin. No, and it is it's not. not a place where the dead go. It's the place where the gods are, which would not be called Valhalla in the Norse mythology. But, it, you know, I mean. Again, wish. So <laughs> just keep that in mind whenever we're talking about this. There's a lot of sort of weird inconsistencies in the show. Still a very fun show, right? Um, especially if you like sort of that, like, uh, if you want to see the, like, anime representation of these gods. Because some of them, you're like, got it. 100% I know who that is. Some of them, eh, maybe not so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, so for this anime, Ragnarok is, they're calling it the law of the final battle. So basically the gods have decided that humans suck and they're going to just dispose of all of us yeah. in like an apocalypse. Yeah. But to do that, humans have to, uh, humans and gods have to fight 1v1 in combat. So there's 13 rounds. So 13 gods fight 13 humans, but they're 1v1 battles. And whoever gets the first to seven wins wins so if the humans win they get to live yeah, we don't get uh, yeah. and if humans lose then we all die uh so uh it's kind of high stakes there so um ragnarok in the norse tradition is 
not this literally at all. <laughs> no. For any of you that are uh, familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, not, not, even, not even a little bit. Ragnarok is much more big wolf eating a moon, uh, you know, all the gods and everybody dying, uh, all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit different. It's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. I see that you have a question. We totally did not mention in the beginning, but we'll take questions at the very end. So just hang on to that, my man. We'll get yeah. to. Yeah, we're going to speed through a bunch of stuff to cover these anime. And then we're going to do sort of like a Q&A thing at the end just to kind of circle back around. Yeah. Yeah. So Ragnarok is not the same thing, but Ragnarok does still mean the end of the world. But it's really not the end of the world in like a giant ball of flame, really. It's more like the end of the world in a way where it like the world ends and then it restarts. If anybody has read um, Avengers versus X-Men, AVX, the end of AVX is basically what Ragnarok really is about in the Norse tradition. It's more of a restarting and less of a um, everything burns or floods or explodes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not like that. Yeah. Um, so all of these fights take place in Valhalla um, at Valhalla's arena, which is actually the, a model of the Roman Colosseum. So we have some also cognitive dissonance there, uh, but there were people who lived in areas where you practice Norse, um, like traditional religion, who also were Romans. So that kind of makes sense too. Uh, and then they have Asgard, which is the land of the gods. That's where this Valhalla is. And that kind of makes sense in the Norse tradition also. Yeah. Yeah, there's also um, a variety of different gods and other beings. So there are the uh, Jotun, who in Norse tradition are uh, giants. And they're sometimes referred to as frost giants. And sometimes they're just referred to as Jotun, and they don't really appear to be in the retelling of the stories as giants. So yay for folklore that's literally hundreds of years old <laughs> that we know from one poet who lived in the 13th century, who yeah. didn't speak those languages very well. So <laughs> uh, there's also uh, 12 Valkyrie in, um, and the Valkyrie here are actually pretty representative of what they look like in the traditional Norse side of things, but there wasn't a limit for the number of Valkyrie and they didn't necessarily have um, like special moves that they would do that were yeah, specific to them. Each Valkyrie didn't specialize in a job, whereas whereas in this, in this show, each Valkyrie can turn into a, a, a godly arms, which is like just a super powered weapon that would allow that Valkyrie to like imbue a mortal with godlike powers. Yeah. So like right? one girl turns into a spear. Yeah. Definitely not a Norse thing, definitely but also, not a but Norse also thing. definitely an anime thing. So like, you know, we'll allow it. Right. Like yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we also see a bunch of other gods and the depictions of them look really, really awesome. But sometimes the way that they act is a little bit outside of what we would be used to. So we also see uh, Hermes, Shiva, Aphrodite, Brunhilde, Odin, Heimdall, Zeus, Buddha, Loki, Apollo, Poseidon, Susano, Nomikoto, Hercules, uh, Vasivara, Anubis, Beelzebub, who I know is not a god. We're just going to... But Demons, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh. Cthulhu, Ares. Uh, so there's a lot also of things. Also technically not a god, but like, yeah. it works, right? <laughs> we didn't Fine. make these rules. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we see a whole bunch of a variety of different things here. So this one is really kind of like a mishmash of a bunch of stuff that you're seeing. Yeah. And there's there's also a lot of so uh, you in the bottom corner here, you see like everybody kind of voting. No, that's the like that's the vote to like kill all humans. And they have there's a bunch of just like jump cuts across like the crowd of gods. And some of them are just like your standard like yokai like just like whatever yeah. spirits, like Japanese spirits. Some of them are like clearly knockoffs of like bad guys from Power Rangers and stuff. Yeah. Right. Like it's we definitely it's sort of, saw it's sort of Repulsa. all over the spectrum. <laughs> but they do it real quick. They're just like, ah, ignore all of this. We had to fill it in. We kind of stopped at 15 or 16 gods. So just whatever. You know, real uh, monochromatic about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the format of this show is basically like a fight anime. So we're seeing mostly these fights, but really what we're actually seeing is mostly flashbacks yeah. that explain to you who these people are who are fighting. And then you see the fight. But the fight is sometimes the fl there's a lot of a lot of it's, flashbacks. It's sort of like DBZ where each fight takes up multiple episodes. Yeah. But it's also sort of um, 
they're trying to build story into it. They pull a Dune, right? Where you're like, oh, this looks dope. Record of Ragnarok. We're going to get 13 fights. This is going to be great. And then by like the seventh episode, you're like, all right, we're still in fight two. This isn't, this isn't going to math out right. I don't know how they're going to wrap this up. And then by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh, okay. So we're only doing three right now. And I got to wait till season two to like get the rest of this information, you know? So it's a, it's a strange format choice. Uh, but it does give you a lot of backstory on the characters, both the gods and the mortals for each one of these. And they've really kind of went above and beyond on like delving into each one of these characters. Particularly the humans, the yeah, heroes. Yeah, particularly the yeah. humans and the heroes and giving them a lot of like context. So like if you don't know who Lu Bu is, you don't need to. The you show will. is gonna make sure that you know what is going on with this guy. Like, if you don't know that particular traditionalism, right? Or, or even like, if like you're like, all right, Zeus, whatever. Uh, that being said, this is very artistic anime choice about the gods. Like the character, the human character stuff is sort of like blown out of context, like legends, kind of a thing. But the gods are very like, we're gonna take two or three aspects and then just fill in the rest. Right. Yeah. Like you can see Thor has a big hammer on the top picture there. That I mean, really big hammer is about how far they read on the Wikipedia about Thor. And yeah. then they decided to make it right. Yeah. And uh, Thor has to, in this anime, wear his uh, wear gauntlets to weed to wield Mjolnir um, and Mjolnir never misses. And that's fine. And he does wear gauntlets in a lot of Norse tradition stuff, but he doesn't have to wear the gauntlets to wield the hammer. Yeah. So it's kind of like taking some very simple stuff there. Um, but Mjolnir is also like a living thing in this. And it like pulses it's like it's a pretty it's gross. like a flesh hammer i don't want to have to say that and i apologize that you had to listen to that hey, we told you 16 plus what it is and it's pretty upsetting when you have to see it um, yeah <laughs> also the whole gauntlets thing it's like uh they've basically taken the traditional uh thor's belt of might and yeah. turned it into gauntlets because I don't know, whatever the belt didn't work out with his outfit or something. So they decided to do that. I don't think it worked with his outfit. Do you see think, this guy? I mean, he he doesn't belt, need, but he, it, it's not enough of a He belt. doesn't need yeah. anything else. He is, he is fully accessorized <laughs> yeah. with this gigantic hammer. So in that particular battle, uh, Thor wins and it makes sense the way that they have this stuff go. So for us, it was really interesting knowing what these gods are supposed to be like in the, in the original mythos and trying to predict what's going to happen within the story to see who's going to to win and who's going to lose so in this particular um uh, one thor wins but we actually felt like lu bu should have won because of the way that he was built up and thor while being like you know this like super badass guy who like is really good at fighting and he's a god that you call upon for strength and might and and help in war it just he didn't match up to Lubu. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Oh my God, Lubu just brought the thunder in this fight. And like, it's Thor, I get it, whatever. But, um, you know, I feel like in, in this fight particularly, Thor really wasn't like the guy. And they really kind of focused on like the strength thing and not so much any of the other aspects of Thor. Uh, whereas they spent a lot of time with Lubu sort of developing that character. Yeah, yeah. The next battle was Adam versus Zeus. So Adam is... Um, Adam, the first man like from Christian, like Christian Abrahamic traditions and versus Zeus. So even though Adam, they put as a person, you could kind of, I think, feel like classify him either way. Uh, but in this one, they were doing it as a person. And this fight, to sum it up, is daddy issues. <laughs> Fierce daddy issues. Uh, Fierce. <laughs> the most daddy issues. Zeus actually is the one in this anime who rules over the Council of Valhalla and all of the other gods. And that is true when you look at like ancient Greek mythology. And um, you can also see pretty similar stuff when you translate that into Roman mythology, which is very similar, but slightly different. Um, so Zeus wouldn't have ruled in Valhalla. Um, and he's not really the same archetype as Odin is. Um, he's, he's a lot more, he's a lot more uh, sleeping around. Concerning. <laughs> Concerningly so. Yeah. Um, but in this, like Zeus's powers kind of make sense also, which was really cool. And Zeus uses a uh, lightning speed. And in traditional Greek mythology, not only is he like the king of the gods, the father, all that other kind of stuff. Um, he also is like the god of lightning. And in his final form, because we're going off of DBZ rules, right? Yeah. Um, he compresses his muscles and transforms into a giant gross monster called Adamas. Yeah. He's like, in the beginning, he's like an old, frail, small man. 
And then he like flexes and is that giant hulking old man, which it's the bigger, it's, it's more upsetting as it gets bigger. Um, and, and then like, you know, he gets like knocked down enough that he decides to take his final form or whatever. And so he goes back to being like a weird stringy old man, but because they had to animate, he compressed his muscles. He's like, just kind of upsetting looking. He's like a weird muscly spaghetti man. It's uh, it's, it's something else. And Adam, the whole time, he's just wearing a leaf, this guy. Just a single leaf. Just a leaf. Just one leaf. The whole time. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, like this, like really like chill, like kind of like cool, soft spoken dude is like the vibe that they give off of him. And he's like taking care of his, like he's got like his son's there and he's got Eve there and all this. Yeah. And, uh, and you get a lot of weird daddy issue backstory stuff with him just being like, I'm the first one, like rebel against the gods, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, kind of not technically 100% accurate, but that's fine, man. <laughs> um, I guess we're okay with that. Uh, but yeah, again, pretty good fight. Who wins in this one? Uh, this one, Zeus wins, which actually is kind of interesting because one of the things about Greek mythology and particularly with Zeus is that his father, Kronos, was the king of the gods. And Cro and he had to kill his father to become... So Zeus had to kill his father to become king of the gods. So in Greek mythology, we see a lot of this stuff where it's like, you're going to be killed by your son. Uh, it just, it happens over and over and over again, no matter what they do. It's like, you're going to be killed by your son. And it, that also is true in the mythos for Zeus. It was prophesied that his son would kill him and then basically take up the mantle of the gods. Um, but in this one, Adam, who's basically pretending like Zeus is his dad in all of these fights, doesn't win. So it's very interesting in that it totally diverges from that there. But they have, they really have a lot of the basics of who Zeus is, other than this sort of like, you're definitely get killed by your kid no matter how hard you try not to yeah 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 but yeah zeus was a pretty good uh, representation and adam's sort of all over the place but that's fine whatever i mean we don't have a lot of stuff to work with there so again they kind of had to make up the make up the filler on that one and then the next fight is uh poseidon v uh kojiro yeah which they flood a portion of the arena and these guys literally don't use the water at all the, it's it's the it's the water god fighting the like like famous boat captain guy and they just other than poseidon like jumping out of the water fantastically and like uh kojiro like rowing up on a rowboat to the like dry land portion in the center of the arena they don't touch the water the whole fight we are waiting for them to do like some water shenanigans yeah right Zero water shenanigans. Yeah, and in this it's one, so Kojiro upsetting. wins, and I had to get up and take a lap because <laughs> this whole time they flooded this arena. They made all this pomp and circumstance about Poseidon. He's actually a very powerful god in Greek mythology. He is the god of water. He's the god of storms and seas. He's also the god of fishermen, wealth, food. There's a ton of really like um, basic mythology that's put into him. He is the direct brother of Zeus. Um, so Poseidon, Zeus, and Hades are like the three most powerful of the Greek gods. And this guy never even used his water powers. It's not like, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm not left-handed. And it's not like tie my hand behind my back. It's just yeah. like he didn't, sit he didn't, like, take down off and let them a thousand kilograms or something like that. He just like, I don't know, had some anger issues. And then he worked <laughs> through those in the fight. And then he lost the fight. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a great character design for Poseidon. I really like his character design, but they did like some weird stuff with the um, sort of personality choices on him. Uh, and and I don't know, like before watching this, I didn't know anything about Kojiro, but the character development that they did for him in the show was fantastic. Yeah. Right. His whole thing is that he's like, like he's never won a fight. Right. He, you know, he's, he's a greatest swordsman of all time, but he's never won a fight. And his whole thing is like every time I lose a fight, I learn how not to lose like that again. And he and his he can like sort of like see attacks before they happen and stuff. You know, it's like a sort of prediction thing. Like he's lost so much. He now knows what not to do. So that means that he knows what to do to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the payoff on that's really dope. 
Yeah. So overall, Record of Ragnarok has a ton of magical elements that are really, really fascinating. And as I think is a great like jumping off point, if you're particularly interested in learning mythology about particular gods or pantheons. And but if you're looking at like realistic there, don't come for Record of Ragnarok. Yeah. 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 If you're trying to learn about the gods, probably not the place. But if you're in an anime and like gods and magic and stuff, you're going to enjoy it, especially if you like already have info on the gods. Like if you already know stuff about different gods from different pantheons, then um, this is this is gonna definitely make you be like, mm, that doesn't sound right. I'm gonna look it up, pause Wikipedia some stuff, you know? Cause they just, they take some liberties on this kind of stuff. These guys up here, just to quickly go over. So that the skinny old dude, that's skinny version of Zeus. Uh, you've got Odin up in the corner. That is Aphrodite and <laughs> She has two stone dudes holding her boobs up the entire time. Yeah. That's it. And as that's, the goddess of character. love and pleasure and also the patron goddess of prostitutes, I am here it's, for that portrayal. It's great. It's so good. Oh my God. Yeah, she's the best. And then um, the uh, lady in the center frame is one of the, she's like the main Valkyrie that was yeah. like the vague main character of the show. And uh, the weird kind of robot looking dude in the dead center is um, uh, uh, Himdall. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's Himdall, who blows the like Yala horn to start Ragnarok. So again, they get the like the start of Ragnarok is when Yala horn is blown by Himdall, which is correct. And they do that in the show. But then also like, I, I don't know, he's a robot or something in this. It's very strange. It was very. It, it, there's a lot of yeah. strangeness and they have a lot of other gods. There's a ton of gods that we did not go over, you know, or put put up in the slides just because they're, they're like on the screen for a second doing a weird thing. Yeah. And you're like. I recognize that one. So if you watch the show, see how many gods you can recognize. Yeah. And if you're interested it. in learning more about particular deities, we have a couple of episodes where we talk about the family tree for Greek mythology, as well as for Norse mythology. We also have deep dives on Odin and Aphrodite. So we've got a ton of information yeah, out there. We have there. a lot of uh, podcast episodes about the gods. So uh, you can always check those out. So next up was uh, we watched Fire Force. Which, which is just such a good show, man. If you have not seen Fire Force, do yourself a favor. Go watch Fire Force. Uh, absolute, absolutely amazing. Yeah, we fell in love with it. Absolutely. So the TLDR of this show is there are teams of people, Fire Force, who fight and kill Infernos using a combination of tactics and tools. So um, Infernals are humans that spontaneously combust and then go on a rampage. And they have to be killed to save their soul. So we see a lot of religious overtones in this show, particularly relating back to Christianity and um, other types of monotheistic religions kind of all have these hallmarks. Um, so we're really trying to save their soul. And there's also demons that look exactly the same as infernals but they have horns um so we're looking at like these really cool like demonic type of things and infernals aren't something that really appears in a lot of um in a lot of mythology but beings that catch on fire or beings that are fiery are kind of something that goes throughout the world with a variety of different not necessarily deities but definitely like folklore things you know yeah. so your demons or spirits or sant you know, elmo's fire which yeah. we talk about when which we're going to talk about when we get to tresse um so like fiery spirits definitely a thing that exists but not necessarily in the way that fire force does it so it's taking something that really exists demons and beings that are fiery and melding them together and adding a lot of texture to that, which is super cool yeah and then the infernals are basically being um fought fought with the uh, fire force and the fire force they have a lot of pyrokinetics so not everybody has powers but those who do are called pyrokinetics and they can magically manipulate or create fire so second generation pyrokinetics can manipulate but not create fire except sometimes and third <laughs> gen create yeah and third gen can create fire but not always manipulate it except sometimes when the anime wants it to do what it wants to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> Again, the plot resides over all else, right? So yeah, exactly. we got to carry ourselves through that. And and we have this sort of like, like third gens are like special and and uh, like the pyrokinetics are these real, you know, these powerful uh, characters that have all these superpowers. But it, even though you see them performing like fantastical feats and acts, you also still get the like occasionally a dude without powers just punches the shit out of somebody. And that's also super effective. <laughs> so 
So it's like, yeah, you can throw fireballs, but getting hit in the head still hurts a bunch. So that also works. So we get it this nice balance and they don't really approach it from like a scientific standpoint, but they use like sort of the like logical pseudoscience to kind of explain why everybody has the power that they have and how they use it and like how it's manipulating and things like that. So it's all very like, um, like right against um, the like logic of reality, you know? Yeah. Uh, for being like fire wielders. Yeah, yeah. And the the pyrokinetics, they don't have infinite reserves on their firepower, which is really interesting and actually something that really fits with magical systems in real life. So in real life, talking about magic is not like, boom, I'm shooting a fireball at you. Although that would be really dope. So if anybody knows how to do that, yeah. please let us know. Chris Jericho, because we're here so. for that. Um, <laughs> but um, if you are a, uh, if you are someone who practices witchcraft or magic um, after doing a spell or something like that, people will often report feeling like they kind of have like a hangover or maybe they feel like they're getting sick. You know, you just like, you have a headache and you feel super drained yeah. And you just feel the, really like, off exhaustion afterwards. And it. you actually really see that with this show, uh, which is something that is not often talked about in the world of magic and particularly in the world of magic inside of media. Because when we're looking at media, whether it's anime or movies or anything else, really a magic wielder is someone who sort of is like ultimately powerful and never runs out of juice, even though we have all played video games where we run out of mana. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's definitely there. And the the um the variety of powers in Fire Force are really fascinating too because it's not just like a whole bunch of people all shooting fireballs at each other. Um they there's a lot that kind of goes into there and you can see how these would work for people who were like if this show was about water or about air or about earth. I mean basically if the show was Avatar this would make sense too. Yeah. Um so powers include like fiery feet or devil's footprints being able to control bullets using fire having fire cat ears and tail like glamour magic igniting ashes or gas shooting missiles of flames warping heat to control body temperature or sound kind of like mind control creating illusions definitely kind of like mind control healing and faith healing in real life is a huge thing and is quite problematic we don't talk about a whole lot of that <laughs> here but that's like a whole own it's podcast own episode um and because it's anime fire tentacles yeah. always tentacles guys yeah there are fire tentacles well and and they do again like back in that back in the like bringing it as close you to as you can to like logical science right they they talk about how like like how do you, how does she create illusions with fire it's because she's using heat to like alter the refractive index of the air in that area um there's a character who's able to control like somebody else's body temperature. So she can basically make you suffer heat stroke at a distance at will. Right. So like our, you know, our, our hero has to overcome basically heat stroke to survive the fight. Um, as well as you have characters who are able to um, the, like one of the characters is basically able to change the, uh, change the overall heat dissipation in the universe to alter the flow of time. So he's using heat to distort space time in order to functionally make it appear that he's teleporting, even though he's not, he's just moving in like a slow cross section of time, like a slow cross section of time. But yeah. they, they really kind of think it out. It's not just like, with the exception of maybe the cat ears girl and the tentacles, that, that doesn't make any sense. You have to have uh, those, but you it's have an to anime. Have it, so like, again, we get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in particular, there's uh, Shinra, uh, and he is a third gen, and his power is called Devil's Footprints. So he moves like he basically has rockets on his feet. And in real world, you kind of don't really have that if you're using magic. But he also gains other powers because, of course, he does because he's our main character. Yeah. So, you know, all, all powerful most, Mary most Sue. Most important. Yeah. Um, and he can also he can also develop a whole bunch of different things. Like his brother has the power to pause time and move through essentially multiverses. And when you're looking at magical systems and what people who are, um, for lack of a better word, magicians try to do in real life, that's there. That's astral traveling. That's accessing multiverses. Like if you guys watch Rick and Morty, they talk about a lot of things yeah. that really mirror this. Doctor and Strange. Yeah, that's <laughs> Akashic Records, which is kind of like a library where all of the data from the multiverses are. And that's something that a lot of people do in their magical practice is try to access access 
other dimensions and past lives and a variety of other things like that. Yeah. Um, and Arthur is another character that has a lot of similarities to real life magical systems because Arthur uses a sword called Excalibur, which kills with one strike. So that magical bit, I mean, you just have to be, that's not magic. You just have to be really good with a sword. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that's interesting about him is that his magical power and so his sword's power also increase based on how knightly he feels. Yeah. Like the more awesome he thinks he feels, the more powerful he is as a knight, even if he's not actually doing something awesome. Like at one point in time, they basically just dress him up in a bunch of garbage to make it feel like he's in a suit of armor. And he's like real powerful until somebody like basically shows him a mirror and that, and he's just like, oh, I look super lame, loses all of his power, <laughs> right? So like, and again, it's that, uh, th that's the same logic as like intention. The more intention you set in your magical practice, the more effective that magical practice is going to be. And that's, that crosses like sort of like all magical practices, put that like intention or effort in is what gives you more power. Like the more you prepare or the longer the spell or the more intention or sort of, you know, every practice kind of does it, it uses different words. And for sometimes it. even having special garb that you wear, like there's a lot of people that ritual, practice yeah. magic that have very specific ritual clothes or no clothes at all, depending on your tradition. I'm yeah. just like, be careful of the wax. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot that you see with that that goes with intent and manifesting. When Arthur feels great, he is manifesting his destiny. He is manifesting his magic to to do all of the things that he needs to do as part of Fire Force. Uh, and there's a ton of other characters, but the last one we're going to talk about is uh, Waka. And he is a second and third gen, and he's also the most powerful of the Fire Force uh, dudes. He's able to turn fire into explosives. He uses hand forms, and he also does like very specific fire attacks, um, essentially by using kata, um, which channels like key energy into different parts of the body and also to have different pieces there. And when you see this, he has a lot of like, there's a lot of animation in the air around him when he's doing his hand forms. And this is something that we see a lot with ritual magic. So if you've ever seen a, a traditional tarot deck, that came out of uh, the Golden Dawn and this like huge enlightenment period in the late 1800s and the early 1900s where people got really, really interested in ceremonial ritual magic. Most of the demonic and ceremonial magic stuff that we think of today, whether it's in anime or in real life or in movies, it comes from that period in time and all of those people. That comes from Aleister Crowley. That comes from a variety of different people there. And we really see that here with Waka. And he's really sort of like walking this line between like a ceremonial ritual magician and a chaos ma magician. Yeah. And we talk about chaos magic in a lot of our episodes. There's not one in particular about it, but chaos magic is basically taking the magical energies around you and transforming them into your magical desire. And everybody that who when everybody that does magic does it in a different way. And everybody's way is the right way for them. So However you do it, however anybody does it, that's the right way for them. No shade, no problems. Unless you're being a jerk or you're being racist or you're hurting things. That's yeah. not okay. Yeah. Um, no, don't be an asshole. <laughs> I don't, that should be self-evident nowadays, but... Um, it's gotta be said. But he, um, you know, he, he really takes these things. And as a chaos magician, he just like grabs this power from the universe and thinks this is what I want to do. And it happens. And that's yeah. what chaos magic is. And that's really what he's doing. And what a lot of the fire force and really any magic sort of stuff does is they're sort of doing chaos magic where they're taking whatever works for them and they're manifesting that yeah. into magical results, basically. Well, and, and each, like every character's a little different. Nobody's doing the same thing as any other character. And so you, the, the show approaches like a bunch of different sort of techniques in magical practice from a bunch of different directions and sort of gives it to each character based on either like whatever character trope they're trying to uh, like produce in that character, whether it's like something sort of evil for a bad guy or something, you know, sort of like monotheistic and holier than thou for like a, like a particularly churchy person. And there, this is, this is sort of that like, um, uh, ritual magic, but uh, there's enough church in here so that way like, it's cool. Everybody's okay. Nobody's burning nobody at the stake. Like ch <laughs> the church is allowing it kind of a thing. Uh, so it, there's like a lot of like monotheistic overturn overtones in this one. 
Yeah. But Fire Force was fantastic. Highly recommend. Yeah. Um, on on magical and on practical just enjoyment levels. So Magical Goro Ore, um, the TLDR of this is, um, this is a really meta show. Yeah. Very meta. Very tongue-in-cheek. Making a lot girl. of fun about different types of anime, especially magical girls. So it's basically these two girls who are pop idols can transform into magical girls. And in this particular show specifically, not just all magical girls, but this show, the magical girls protect the uh, different areas of the city and they fight um, punks and demons. They have to sign a contract to become a magical girl, but it also seems like there's some sort of hereditary tie there. And there's also um, the, I just have a lot of magical power, so I'm a magical girl kind of thing. Um, and they can also travel by flying in bubbles of light. Um, and the tra <laughs> travel by flying in bubbles of light isn't necessarily something that we think of with um, with like real world magical practices, but which is broomsticks, it's bubbles of light, of, I guess. It all lines up enough, yeah. right? Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. And their main power uh, is called love power index. Um, so the love power index is what gives them the ability to transform into really buff magical dude girls. Um, and they have to shout the person of, the, they have to shout the name of the person they love. And that makes them turn like, into the magical. No girl. matter what out loud, something's happening over there. I got to shout it out loud right here to be able to transform, which is great because it means that uh, if that person's nearby, they definitely just heard you shout that you love them and then turn into a, like a big buff dude. Uh, yeah. A thing which happens. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. and and also, so the, basically they're using a fairy approaches them to give them the ability to become magical girls in order for them to just like protect the area of the city, not expecting them to have to fight these demons. Um, but they have to fight these demons a lot. Yeah. Like all the time. And the demons are, uh-oh. How? How? How did this happen? How, how is this happening? <laughs> My computer says it's still working. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's still okay. Working. <laughs> Jiggle the cord. Why not? Uh, so yeah. So it's the, because <laughs> you said fairy. I know, right? Um, so in real life magical systems, we see, um, so in this show, we basically got a couple of different elements and one of those is fairies. So we have a, we have, um, characters who are fairies that are mascots. And then we also have someone who is the king of the fairies. Uh, and just so you guys know, we, we only watched season uh, one for all this, of these. This, uh, this, uh, dude in the white suit smoking a cigarette on a pile of blurred out meat. Uh, that's the fairy. Uh, yeah. But so, he also is tiny. But he also has a kawaii yeah. form, which is just his face on some like butterfly wings. So it's not that kawaii, but it's still cute as shit. So it's like very kawaii. I do not know <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, so these girls, uh, so the girls transform into magical quote unquote girls that are actually buff dudes. And they say this in the anime because men's bodies are better for combat, but they still have to look cute. Yeah. Um, which is why they're dressed in these adorable outfits. <laughs> Uh, but they get transformed into big buff dudes. And also when they fight these guys, as you can see them being splattered in blood, uh, it's it's not really with spells. It's mostly just with beating people to death. Yeah. There yeah. are magical weapons though. So there's like magical hairpin grenades and magical guns that have unlimited ammo. Yeah. In particular, our, our little fairy guy, he uses a magical gun that has unlimited <laughs> ammo. It's adorable. Um, and then there's also a magical staff that doesn't have magical powers. No, it's just so, really strong for beating people up with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we see a lot of different like magical pieces here. So we're seeing glamor magic. So glamor magic is wanting to augment or affect the way that you look. And this is not something like you see in Magical Girl Ore or in movies like The Craft where you're able to like change your eye color. Um, but is a way for you to sort of imbue yourself with confidence through magical structures. So when you wear something, like if you put on an outfit that you really love, that you think looks great on you, you are automatically going to feel more confident. You're automatically going to have a better time associated with that. And that's really what glamour magic is, is enhancing the, um, enhancing your aura, not necessarily enhancing your physical body because you just, if you want to change your eye color, you use contacts. You don't use magic for that. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be a super buff dude, 
you're going to have to take some steps. Yeah. I don't know what those steps are for you as a person, but you're going to have to take some steps. Hit the gym. (laughs) Hit the gym or something. (laughs) Or something. Um, But also we see the transformation thing. And that's another part of this intent thing that we were talking about with Fire Force, where when your intention is to transform into a being that can beat up the bad guys and save the people you love, that's intent. That's manifesting right there. Um, And then we have these demons, which is this picture... All of them. All of these just nightmare pictures. The demons are these incredibly cute and also incredibly shredded teddy bear monsters. And of Uh, course there's tentacles. Yeah, there is one that has tentacles. You know, you got to check the box, I guess. Uh, But yeah, they just get increasingly buff and shredded and they want to just kidnap people and take them through like glowing purple hell portals. To the underworld. Yeah. Yeah. And this is is interesting because demons, demons are really more of... The, the demons sort of like go across all cultures. So there's not really more of like a way for us to say this is exactly what demons look like. But in general, when you're looking at folklore from uh, places across the world and you do see creatures that sort of have um, hallmarks to demons, uh, you're seeing that they're scary looking usually. So you've got scary and these guys are not scary. So yeah. this is another aspect of that tongue in cheek thing, because most of the time when you're watching something and it's a demon, they try to make it scary or intimidating or just sort of like like sketchy looking right. you're like Mm-mm, not no thanks whereas not, these, not this these demons are more like uh, uh you know like when you think of like a siren oh it's a beautiful voice and it's gonna draw you in and then like murder you or like a harpy or like a mermaid or something like that where it's like like they're doing the other side of the like sort of like evil bad guy demon thing where they're like so cute that it, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal although i'm gonna be honest with you if i saw that i would fucking definitely not be here that's horrifying uh but they're like doing that cute thing so that way your guards down a little bit before the kidnapping uh <laughs> yeah so um there demons don't really kidnap people in in real world magic stuff um but it is common for certain magicians to invoke demons yeah generally it's like somebody controlling them. them to kidnap yeah. and in like in like lore and legend you often have like uh, generally, if somebody's getting kidnapped and dragged to the underworld, it's like singularly to like entice the hero to make a mistake. You know, it's like I'm gonna steal your girl, I'm gonna put her down, you know, seventh ring of hell or whatever, and then now you gotta come down and fight me on my home turf. What are you gonna do? Uh, so it, it, that's kind of the extent of the sort of like demonic kidnapping part of things in like traditional uh, like lore and such. And to an extent, these demons are primarily focusing on trying to kidnap one person, uh, which is the the guy in the blue coat, who is Ore, the pink magical girl's She's in love with him. Who she's in love with. And her best friend is in love with her. So, you know, we have that really wonderful, like, anime sort of, like, love triangle happening there. But just buffer. They're just way buff. Yeah. Because, but they still have to look cute. Um, you know, so <laughs> Magical Aurora has a lot of really, really fun plot points, especially if you like anime there, and Magical Girl stuff. There's a lot of bits it's, there that are just silly. It's so self-aware. Uh, there, There's a whole episode that's just based around them having to get the episode done and delivered on time to air the episode. It's like Rick and Morty levels of self-aware yeah. in the show on top of being a fairly interesting show. And we just, I mean, we saw, we've seen this before, like before we prepped for the, the We've been watched this in one night to but, rewatch it. But um, it was so fun. We kind of stumbled upon this randomly and I was just like, all right, I don't know what this is about, but I got like buff magical dude girls. So I have to watch this. And we put it on and was immediately fell in love. It's so good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So taking out, so taking the the like magic piece of this, this is a really great show for a magic side of things because really what we're looking at in this is not only demons, but we're looking at the ability to do spoken word magic. And you may think that it has to be like this big ritual and you need like a fancy book and, you know, it's got to be but lit, lit, like written in blood and, you know, you read it by or, candles. Or but Latin. Or but the thing is, is when you're doing magic and you're using spoken word things, it, it doesn't have to be super complicated. You can just shout out the name of the person you love to turn into a magical girl. You can just have a single word as a trigger word in a spell that makes you instantly feel 
more glamorous about yourself. Yeah, again, it, it it this show is sort of like the like a rendered down version of the idea of intention being used to like sort of in like increase the power of the thing that they're trying to do, right? Like like because of how much they love these people, they're more powerful. And the more they love the person and the closer the person they love is to them, the more powerful they get, you know? Yeah. So it, it really uses that sort of like linear intention yeah. power to get to the, uh, to, you know, to show how powerful they are. Yeah. So next up we watched Witchcraft Works, uh, which is just, it's such a fun show. It was so fun. It's so it's good. It's so fun. And it's, it's very, um, it's very specific about the way that it approaches witchcraft. Yes. Um, technically it's like craft witches, like witchcraft Yes. You yes. know, yeah, which is so. why it's separate, even though Spellcheck hates it when I do that. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. not how you spell that word. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Relax. Yeah. So. so in this in this show, a regular high school student, he's saved by a witch. And then he learns that he's the bearer of an important magical being locked inside of himself, which they call the white stuff in a lot of these episodes. And we're like, guys, phrasing. Yeah. What yeah. are you they're doing? Like, other witches are here to get you because they're trying to get the white stuff in you. And you're and like, this boy, mm, he does not, not know either. Yeah. He is like, um, is that what I think it is? Yeah. Uh, it's not that kind of anime, uh, <laughs> is what we learned. Um, and and there's uh, there's really two factions of witches in witchcraft works, and they're basically fighting over the ability to unlock this magical being inside of him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we can really look at this this part of it, the magical being, the white stuff being locked inside of him, um, as sort of like a possession thing or even mediumship. Yeah. So mediums traditionally will be um, able to communicate with spirits of the dead or spirits in the other world or other planes of existence, however you kind of look at that. And we really see that with this, but it doesn't quite play out in that like everybody hold hands around a table and turn the lights down low yeah. when everything yeah. shakes. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. like the spirits say it's not like that. Yes. Yeah. Well, and this show, this show also plays with, because it's focusing on witches and like as a general thing, the term witch we often associate with like female practitioners of magic. This show really does this like sort of flip on gender roles. You can see, that's why I included this uh, picture from this scene here where this is when she first saves him and she calls him um, her princess and she's constantly saving him and he's sort of like not useful except for it to be the MacGuffin <laughs> that people are trying to steal all the time. Yeah. So it's it's very like, um, like switching the gender roles around where the witch, because she's, you know, uh, like she's the powerful one and she's the one that's saving him and doing all this stuff. And he's just like the MacGuffin, the princess in the tower to be saved time and time again, making, you know, poor decisions and resulting in her having to save him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the witches, like we said, are divided into two factions. There are workshop witches and there are tower witches. And really the basic idea of how to tell them apart here is that workshop witches are um, like the quote unquote good guys here. And they are protecting the city. Um, and there's usually five high school witches who protect the city, but also there's like a main witch who's above them, who in this um, show ends up being kind of like the person in charge of the school um, and the person uh, who is the leader of the workshop in charge of the school. She um, has a magical barrier that protects normal people from magical attacks so they don't get hurt. But each attack lessens the barrier and draws magic from her. So we see in in this particular aspect, the same thing that we saw in Fire Force, where it's not like unlimited power that yeah. she's wielding. Yeah, they, they sort of like wear out over time and uh, you can see that, again, much like Fire Force, each witch is sort of like, even though the tower witches are tower witches and the workshop witches are workshop witches, they, they sort of all have very specific magical practices that they're undertaking. They're like doing very uh, specific things, you know, in the space with regard to, uh, to witchcraft. <clears throat> uh, so, um, for example, of these witches' powers, so like one of the bad guy witches... Uh, can summon and command mechanical rabbits. Uh, so I, it's both horrifying and adorable. Like I, I want an I army of mechanical rabbit rabbits, but, but at yeah. the same time, do I? 
Yeah. Is so, that too much power for one person? It's too much power for one person to handle. Uh, there's also like people who can like move through objects or like do general fire magic, like cast fireballs and stuff. Uh, physical transformation magic, uh, doppelganger style magic. Uh, so like our main character is like a fire witch. So she can just like burn a bunch of shit up. And uh, she's like uh, sort of generic fire powers. Anything that you can do, she can do, but with fire or on fire. Um, you also have the um, like singularly the reference to uh, Medusa. Like there's no other God stuff in this, but, but, Medusa's, but Medusa's here, um, you know, for fun. Uh, and and so she can turn people into stones, yeah. but she's also, she's got like a big snake and like floaty orbs. She's the resident stuff. tentacle girl of this anime. Yeah, she's the tentacles in this <laughs> so. one. Um, and interesting change for Medusa is that like, if she, it, like, if she, obviously, eye contact turn you into stone, right? But she can still turn you into stone without eye contact. It's just, like, less hard stone. Yeah. It's easier to break out of, right? They're sort of, like, they, they, they like, cover her eyes up, and they're, like, she can't really do the power. But she kind of can, and it's still, like, kind of in the way, even though she's, like, super powerful in some fights, and then... Like, definitely not powerful at all in other fights. Yeah. Uh, and she's also, and I think it's just because of the, like, snake nature of her character, able to sort of, like, infect other people and um, is able to blend her powers, her, like, snake stone powers, with our main character, the Fire Witch, yeah. for, for basically flaming snake powers. Which so, is super rad. It's yeah. very cool. It's also a super <laughs> cool outfit that she has. All of the outfits are fierce in this show. Yeah. And then yeah. we also have um, a character who can access other dimensions or sort of the space in between. And this goes back to that thing that we were talking about in Fire Force um, of accessing things like the Akashic Records and the other world and other dimensions and other just sort of planes of existence. Yeah. And um, the way that this stuff breaks down into like real world magical territory in a ton of ways. So um, witches fly on brooms. We don't really see many more witches other than our like two main characters fly on brooms and um i mean if you've ever watched any sort of documentary or read five things you never knew about halloween thing then you probably have heard that witches flew broomsticks but probably not actually flew them it was probably using magical ointments or even perhaps magical drinks and potions that they used to fly and that flying would be essentially astral travel and uh astral travel which i guess i probably should have mentioned this first time i said it but oh well um so astral travel is really where you are taking your consciousness or your astral body and you are getting like sort of getting up out of your body and taking a walk somewhere else you're taking your like the like the eyes of your soul and going somewhere else whether that somewhere else is you know over to the food court or to like another dimension or just sort of a plane of existence maybe like a magical castle in your mind that you use as your safe space a la fight club uh, you see astral travel it sort of manifest in this anime and it's quite fascinating in the way that it does because it falls into a lot of the tropes that that um, exist for talking about fairies and fey folk. The fairies and the fey folk, they access the real world through fairy circles and fairy mounds, and they will um, oftentimes take unsuspecting humans and babies into their world. And in their world, a lot of the ways that it's been described by particularly poets and um, ancient sources kind of mirror the way this anime is doing that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. We're like space is sort of distorted and everything's sort of like it's very um, this this main this character here who can like access these other dimensions. And I think he actually specifically mentions the Akashic Records he does. in one episode, he does. which is really cool. Um, but uh, it's very like Alice in Wonderlandy. You know, like it's 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 very it's very pretty. It's very loud. It's very bright and colorful. Um, it, and it's really like one of the cooler visual yeah. aspects of this. This anime has uh, does that like blend of CGI and 2D animation thing that we see is becoming increasingly popular in anime. Um, and his his world is very uh, is like very animated, but with like 3D objects moving around in it, yeah. which is an interesting way to uh 
sort of like approach that. Yeah. And he actually he's the science teacher, by the way, this guy in this purple suit um, who does this stuff. And he actually references this in a particular chat with our main character. And he says that um, any sufficiently advanced technology is just magic. And um, that actually is um, when you think about it, aside from like a marvel's thor right it's there too um it, it actually really makes sense we actually have a whole episode that we did on magic in technology and technomancy where we kind of really dive into this uh, but the idea that technology and magic are really just sort of the same thing but with different perspectives is something that's a relatively new concept um but it really works and if you were to go back in time and show someone in like the middle ages a laptop or an anime they would lose their mind aside from the fact that you probably don't speak the same dialect of english and all yeah. that other stuff aside like to them that's magic yeah and in a couple hundred years what we do as magicians with casting spells and doing spell jars maybe the occasional curse glamour magic all of those things that's going to look like primitive technology there will be things in the future that make it look like oh well that was just primitive technology but to us that seems magical af yeah totally 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 um yeah so we've got uh um Next up, we watched, and lastly, we watched uh, Tresse, which is available on Netflix. It's based on a, uh, a comic. It's based on a graphic novel. Graphic novel, yeah. thank you, yeah. Uh, and this was, this is a really, really like, like sort of deep dive look at this culture's sort of like supernatural mythos. Yeah, yeah. So Alexander Tresse, um, who is a Babylon, which um, this is, um, this particular anime takes place in Manila in the Philippines and uses a ton of really well thought out folkloric elements of Philippine um, tradition. And full disclosure, neither of us are Filipino. Um, so we are definitely speaking with as much education as we possibly can. But if you want to know more, perhaps speak, seek out someone who is more, more versed and native to that community. So we, we do our best with these things. But um, a Babylon is essentially a shaman and uh, she works with local police to solve crimes and keep the balance between humans and the supernatural creatures of Manila's underworld. This is basically like magical noir police stuff. Yeah. And um, in it, we see a ton of we see a ton of magic. We see a ton of folklore. There is so much we could talk about this show for probably longer than the show actually has oh. a runtime for. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> to like really get into it. Um, so there's a ton of different characters, and really just sort of hit on there. So we have uh, Datu Talabusao, who is a god of war. Uh, we have duende, which are similar to sort of Western traditions, goblins, tianic, which is this like horrifying baby thing in the bottom corner. Um, and yeah. it's like a it's like a demon. It's like a demon spider baby. It's horrifying. Yes. It's quite horrifying. <laughs> and then we have Nuno, which is also similar to a goblin or even like a type of a fairy. Um, Santelmo, which we don't have a picture of in here, is just like a giant flaming flaming head. And that's Santelmo's fire or saint Elmo's fire. It is a phenomenon that happens naturally in the world that has magical and folkloric significance throughout all cultures in the entire world. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really interesting how they use Saint Elmo's fire as just sort of like this giant flaming head fireball that like goes around and sort of does magical does, errands. He just like does stuff. He just yeah. does stuff. She calls him up on a phone and he pops out of a phone. Yeah. Um, so Technology and magic, technomancy. Um, there's also Tikpalang, and there's also other Aswang. And Aswang in this particular um, instance and in this show really refers to kind of like all of the other magical creatures that they don't call by name. But when you look at more traditional Philippine folklore, Aswang denotes uh, creatures that shapeshift. So um, we just did an episode where we were talking about different types of fairies throughout the world. And a lot of the Aswang and particularly Nuno and Duende, they really fall in line with what a lot of cultures have as hallmarks of fairies. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that all these characters are fairies, but they have a lot of similarities in that they are 
Trixie. They have they live in like a sort of an underworld. You do not want to make them angry and to work with them. You kind of have to meet a reciprocal agreement um, to so that they don't, you know, get mad at you. They fall within the like generic like uh, fair folk fay sort of window as opposed to like the specific. A lot of times when we use the word like fairy specifically, we think of that sort of like uh european very like uh dragonfly Brit- wings british isles and, sort yeah. of fairy because like that's like the most common form but but fey is really sort of an overarching term that kind of represents the like characteristics of the fey and those are just that's just the word that we use in our language whereas like something like an aswang is is just like kind of that same word in filipino with regard to it being the sort of like trickster shape-shifting like like a bunch of a bunch of the characteristics that we expect to see in like a western fairy yeah yeah and as a personally as a witch who does a lot of working with the fey um this really resonates for me not only is the show great but the way that the magic works in this is very similar to how i do magic in my own practice and in working with the fey some of the ways that i interact with them like in particular nuno this little like goblin dude with the green eyes he's wearing he lives in the sewer so he's like got a uh, a manhole, a manhole cover on his head. Um, but he is an, he acts as an informant to Tresse. And every time she comes to him, not only does she basically say like, Hey, hello there, knocking on like, your door. She just like calls out to Nuno. And so he that like, he doesn't get upset that she's yeah. bothering him. And then she gives him candy and then he gives her information. And that's something that, um, working with the Fae in real world magic, they work on reciprocal agreements. So she is very respectful of him. She gives him something and he gives her something back so that there is no um, perception of being owed yeah. each other something by the end, which is sort of the, the basic there. And if you are a magical user, you want to know about working with the Fae, we have actually two episodes about that now. So um, we've got a lot of information about that. And then the types of magic used aside from this fey thing. So we see sigils, we see chants, we see enchanted items, we see divination, which is um, using magic to foretell future events. And also various magical ingredients like uh, or ingredients like ground mermaid bones and herbs and a variety of other things. So the way that this magic is played out is something that is so realistic in a shaman from any culture in a ritualistic magic purpose in someone who works with the fae so like there's really a lot that goes on here with tresse that resonates with actual magical practice of people who live today yeah yeah and it's it's a it's a a very sort of like modern take on it you know like at one point in time in like the first episode she's investigating um these girls that were murdered and uh, she asks for some assistance to basically like find where these girls, like where, where the spirits of these girls are. And, and they're like, the spirits are on the train still. And she's like, I don't see them. What are you talking about? And he's like, well, there's two trains here at the same time. There's the physical train that's like running on the tracks that like regular people take, like that we take, um, you know, in, in the city. But then the goddess of death has basically created a like, facsimile of the train and she uses it to transport spirits to the underworld so like like even though it's like the like ancient goddess of death in this culture she's using the sort of like modern logic of a train car to transport the spirits to the underworld and so you see a lot of that like yeah, so again we're coming up in that magic and technology yeah, we're, kind we're of they're, they're there. adapting modern stuff into magic and a lot of shows do this i mean i think that the probably the like number one example of that sort of like modernizing magic thing is American Gods. If you guys have had a chance to read that, ah, we haven't seen the show yet, uh, but I, I read the book. Like and we talk about it once all a the year. Time. And I talk about it all the time. And I just, I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch the show. I don't know why. Um, it's because we were busy watching five it's, anime. It's because we're busy getting prepped for like a bunch of anime and stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So, so she, they're doing all of that. And you also see like ingredient use, combined with magical circles so in this uh bottom uh image here she's drawn a magical like uh circle for um interdimensional travel she's trying to travel to the dragon plane um 
and she's using dragon's blood to activate the sigil. So like she has the magic, but she can't do it because she's not a dragon. So she has to use dragon's blood as the ingredient to activate the sigil to like perform the spell. So there's a lot of like very thought out logics in this. Um, in the way that they like sort of approach this anime. Yeah, and the way that the way that they approach the magic in this is sort of takes a blend of that like ritual ceremonial magic that we talked about before and blends shamanistic magic. And um, shamanistic magic is really something that is across all cultures in the world, but there are a few hallmarks and that's really sort of interacting with the natural world around you and finding ways to make that work. So shamans will often have potions and powders and items and they're working with they're, they're not necessarily working for their own benefit they're working for the benefit of the of the world around them yeah, the so in this picture the the people, um, in yeah. the in the top left there that's like a bird that was injured or perhaps dead and uh, Teresa's mom is talking to her about magic and about what they do and why they do what they do and she basically does this magical circle that heals this bird and this bird just gets up and flies off yeah so we see a lot of that um interaction with the magical natural world in shamans and we see a lot of sigils and rituals and words that you use in ceremonial magic and this show and i'm assuming also the graphic novel blend them in a masterful way yeah that is that really transcends um cultural boundaries in my opinion yeah so uh those were the five shows we watched uh just wanted to say thank you to everybody and if you had questions or wanted to comment or anything like that um, I'm, There's I'm like told a microphone. That, that microphone works. We guess it but works. Honestly, I forgot to check to see if it did. So you can just be loud if you want. Uh, and then also we have stickers down over here. If you want um, some stickers for like, uh, we make Book of Shadows pages for each one of our podcasts. The Book of Shadow pages are here if you want to flip through those. And I've got some business cards to just like sort of see what they look like. So I designed a graphical page um, that contains a brief summary of all the things that we've talked about. Right, and then uh, we put those out on our Patreon um, whenever we make a, you know, for each podcast that we come up with. And then as a byproduct of that, we've designed some uh, fairly humorous stickers to go with it. <laughs> and then the uh, QR code up on, it just takes you to the social links on our website, as well as like, while we're here, all the photos I take for Fanime are um, up on the website as well. So, you know, if. If you want to uh, look at some cool pictures of what people are doing and of course this podcast will be um is being recorded and will be edited and uploaded to our youtube channel we're uh nerd jive on youtube and um on all the podcast networks for the horn and cauldron podcast so thank you for um hang uh, you know for attending and hanging out with us for the last hour and we'll just if anybody wants to talk or check out some stuff or just you know whatever we're, uh, we've got a little bit of free time before it's uh, wrap-up time, and uh, we'll just keep going from there. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Yeah. Stay magical, folks. And don't forget, breathe in self-confidence and breathe out self-doubt. Pow-pow. <laughs>